welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Whoa, 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 what's up? Everyone, that's so quiet. It's the quietest everyone on this table's been. You started it. I thought you wanted to do your own intro. Is it? Well, you do it, Evan. Uh, I'm Evan Hafer. Uh, we have John Dudley, John Barklow, Andy Stump, Trevor Thompson, Clay. Forrest. Forrest. Tolston. Uh, Luth. Right. But Luth. Luth. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. So, so we got quite a table. Yeah, awesome table came out yeah uh, a couple days ago, and man, has a lot happened in a few days. We are part of a a pig program called Removing Wild Pigs from this ranch, and today we did some cleaning, we did some hog cooking, and then we took leftovers from the last several days. We had Chad Ward here. Too bad he can't be here with us. And Torsten, dude, you made some kind of a German stew tonight that was knockout. I assume it's German stew. Well, it's kind of international stew. You just take whatever you find, add some more things that you look for and find, you know, put it all in a cooker and wait for a while. <laughs> okay. You can do that in any country with whatever you find that's edible. <laughs> all right. That's uh, good advice. Where do we start? Where do you think? Barclow? You start. You start. I wasn't even going to say anything this podcast. <laughs> well, you have to. Hide in the back. You need to start out by telling people why you're late getting your third photo up on Instagram. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, John. I really don't appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Jeez. It's like I'm going through my my archive of cat photos and so many memories, and I'm just not sure where to start. Like, what's the next one? So we think. <laughs> 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 People are going to think I'm serious, which I'm not. You are. But maybe I am. Yeah. I like that. I like to keep them guessing. I think you need to recreate the He-Man thing. No, that... So, the Brad of all Brads, if you're listening, when you're listening, um, reach out to me, DM me. I don't even know what that means, but... Uh, <laughs> Direct message. You can, uh, you can hit me up through John, and uh, we should talk, because I think we could do some really cool stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think He Man and was it Thundercat? Well, Thundercat. Thundercat. Is that what it was? Or is Thundercats? Thund- it's Thund- Thundercats. Skeletor was the interesting one. Okay. Why? <laughs> Why? That went sideways. What do I mean? Why? Because when you watch the fucking thing, he was the cool dude, whilst He Man was just standing around shouting something about the power of Grayskull, and then that was that. Skeletor was like. Death. Hey, okay. Do we want awesome. to start this podcast all over? <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. This is exactly where it needs to start. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about the hog management program on the ranch because he was sharing some statistics that I think a lot of people would be really interested in. Yeah, that'd be great. That's clay. I'm pointing at clay, but I mean, and I knew some of that clay, but it's absolutely staggering from a management perspective, what they can you do. talk about, and, and then we can maybe 
you know, kind of dial that back to, to Torsten, where, you know, Torsten's here to hunt, and a lot of us are, but there's also a management component to this that's completely different from a fair chase, you know, hunting perspective that... Yeah, sure. So, like, it's not management. It's attempted eradication, which is not ever going to happen. Um, some, of the, some of the statistics that I've heard or been around is... For every 10 pigs you see, you should shoot eight to maintain the number that you're currently at. So that's not even to put a dent in them. That's just to maintain the level of the number of pigs you're at. Um, a pig can breed between six and nine months. They can potentially have three litters per year. They average somewhere between six and 12 per litter. So you're talking staggering. So in, 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 a, in a sow's lifetime on this ranch, how many sows or uh, piglets so some of the numbers that i've heard um over the years is one sow she'll make it to roughly five years which they consider a mature sow uh she could potentially have up to or she will be responsible up to 1400 pigs in her lifetime that's just insane so if you exponentially push that number out I'm not smart enough to do that math. It's a lot of pigs. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a legit issue. I mean, I we're mean, talking millions upon yeah. millions upon millions of dollars worth of right. Pay. So that's that's the financial impact to you sure. and your business, yeah, right, sure. and your family is. Yeah, is if you real. look if you look at it from a crop perspective, say, and we were talking about this earlier. I'm just saying round numbers now. Like, if a pig goes into a field, a cornfield that costs two hundred dollars an acre to plant. And it's a hundred acres. That's two hundred thousand dollars. They literally can tear that field up in a night, in an wow. evening. So that's real money back to that farmer, that rancher, that yeah. individual. So yeah. it's a problem. It's an epidemic. It's a legit issue that we deal with in the South and in most states. I mean, a pig can survive in Siberia, and they can survive in the Amazon jungle and everywhere in between. So I mean. Andy and I saw them in the French Alps. Oh, I don't doubt it. Wow. Yeah, litter. When we were chamois hunting, we yeah. came across like legit Russian le, legit Russian boars in the mountains. And I mean, it, it was in the terrain they were in. I I couldn't believe what they were in. Mm. And snow on the ground. I just added up. Um, so we're doing we're doing spot and stalk here. We are chumming. I call it chumming, but we're pretty much. Uh, laying corn, down. Laying corn down on routes that were just walking ranch roads and I just did the math on our numbers since Trevor and I got here um, we're at four I'm at 46 miles I've walked yeah I think that's important for people to know because it's not like you know you're you're cornering road and just sitting there and just waylaying pigs like you're we, we are seriously working for it I don't know if we're doing anything clay for your management program the way we're going about it uh, we're not doing anything for our management. Yeah, there's no management program. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah. we're not good at this. I, no, it's not that. No, I it's, think we're probably really good at it, but just not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have to kill, I mean, we got into a group of how many was that last group of pigs we got into? Probably 20, 25. Yeah. 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 I mean, you've got to shoot 20 of those just to maintain that one singular family group. Right. There's nothing you could do with a high-powered rifle, a bow, a bazooka that's going to maintain. <laughs> bazooka. Well, maybe put, a bazooka. 
I don't think so. How about a reptile? Andy, <laughs> Andy well, um, there's enough people at this I'm table that probably that. can figure that out. But. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think all the pigs, so we've been here collectively three days now. Yeah. Three full days, mm -hmm. I think. So I've been here two. I think we're But just... I would say the groups of pigs that I've seen, there are far more piglets mm -hmm. than there are, you know, even adolescent, let alone mature pigs. Like the majority of what we're seeing are these piglets. And so it really, it like drives home your point that, you know, in nine months, you say they can be uh, ready to They're ready to breed. To breed. I think yeah. it's six, I've heard. Yeah, up six, between six and nine months is what I've piglets. heard. And so if you, by that theory, so three months, three weeks, three days is their yeah. farming gestation cycle. A pig could literally have grandbabies in the same year. Wow. By that, by that math. <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> holy crap. So, I mean, that, what's that's interesting, a, yeah. though, is... Uh, you said today, so we had this amazing meal that, you know, John, you did the butchering, right? And that was Torsten's hog from last night, I believe. Mm -hmm. But you had been told, you live in Texas. I don't yeah. know how long you lived here, but like, or we're in Oklahoma, but you live in Texas. Yeah, a year. And you've been told that you can't eat wild hog. It's, it's inedible, like no mm -hmm. good, which there's a little truth to that. But the reality is it's absolutely delicious. Yeah. Like most of the... The hogs were shooting are absolutely incredible to eat. I mean, yeah. those chops were super juicy. No, it's incredible meat. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Now, I think there's probably just a point of confusion because I think you expanded on it, which is the large boars don't taste very good. Yep. So I think maybe people just took that information and said they don't taste very good. So, and that's obviously, it's obviously false. So... But it's still spreading to the point of which, you know, they don't taste, so you don't you don't even clean them up. Because I know a ton of guys that go out and just lay as much waste as they can. But they're also brought in by the ranchers and said, hey, right. can you guys put a dent in them? And I think it depends on the purpose of the person hunting them. Are we hunting them to, quote-unquote, eradicate, try to manage, or are we going to hunt as a game animal? And right. so I think person hunting as a game animal probably wants to hunt to put meat in the freezer versus somebody that wants to shoot a pest. Mm -hmm. They're both. They're, they're, they equal the same thing, in my opinion. I personally like to eat them. I know people, every time I go on hawk hunts with people, they're surprised by that. You were surprised by it. Well, I've got a very skewed... Uh, look at pigs. I look at them as a, a nuisance animal. I, I, I consider a wild hog the same as a coyote. Yeah. But I'm around them 365 my entire life. And I mean, it's costing you real money. Yes, sir. Yeah, 100%. And so I have, a, I have zero problem eating a pig. Don't get me wrong. Your pork chops, superb today. <laughs> I am not going to take the time, me personally to clean, quarter, go through the process of a pig. I will 100% eat any pig that you clean and cook. <laughs> That's so, awesome. You know, I mean, like, like I said, I, I don't have any problem eating them at all. I'm just not going to take the time to do it when I'm out doing my thing. The thing that I think is really valid is hog hunting is one of the best opportunities for people who want bow hunting experience to really practice bow hunting and all the pieces 
Yeah, I mean, Trevor's a perfect example. Um, Trevor got one before the last podcast. You shot one tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, you started, you're almost at a year, you're less than a year as a bow hunter. Like 10 months. Yep, so you're able to do a spot and stock bear hunt. But how much better do you think you would be as a spot and stock bear hunter now that you've been five more days in the field with these, with hogs? Way more comfortable. I mean, you have the opportunity to be, especially with hog, that knowing what I know about bears and having gone on a bear hunt, they're similar in their reactions. A lot of the things are really similar, like, oh, they think something's a little bit off, so they'll kind of pose up a little bit and look at that thing that might be off, so don't move. Yeah. Right? And, like, those lessons carry over. Sound when walking, right, for you? Sound when walking, smell. How, how was Leadfoot tonight? Is that what you call him, Andy? I think you gave him that name. Oh. I don't know. We, we, we made three pretty yeah, stellar actually, stocks tonight. I can't so. talk any crap. <laughs> we, was, sc- we, to- we totally skunked out these we guys. We were stalking actually, the entire time, though. It just didn't seem We stalked in on the same group twice. I like your attitude. And got in within range. Actually, three times. Yeah. Oh, three well, times. The first time, we they, they crossed our face, but... I mean, we definitely stocked in on them, so. Torsten, from, I mean, your bow hunting experience is minimal, right? Well, whoever follows this podcast knows exactly what my bow hunting experience is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this, what, I've, sh- I've shot my bow now for, what, two and a half years. I've been, including this one, this was my third hunt. Yep. I went turkey hunting with you. Yep. Then we had the hilarious hunt right here last year, yep. and we all laughed about what happened there, um, which definitely included not shooting a pig. And then um, we had some funny things happening on the first day here yet again, because I had no idea really how things work. And whilst, <laughs> whilst we all thought we had agreed on a certain modus operandi, you know, afterwards we realized that we hadn't. But then I think it went, it, it was different, you know, and once I think we got, everybody understood what everybody meant with whatever, whoever was Wait, saying something. You're, you're being very uh, cryptic in what's going on here. I'm saying we stalked in to 25 yards, had a hog broadside to Torsten, and Torsten, I, didn't shoot. I, I said, pull <laughs> well, back. you did. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where did the arrow go? <laughs> I said, pull back. The, uh, the hog was coming perfect. We were in a perfect little spot. And uh, I said, pull back, pull back. You pulled back. And I said, just wait until he gets broadside. And then I said, he's 33, 29, 28, he's 25. And I didn't shoot because I was thinking, I'm not going to do anything that John Dudley doesn't tell me. And he hasn't told me to shoot yet. So I was literally in most situations. He wasn't being stupid. I was no. holding on to this thing with my dear life until I literally ran out of I ran out of strength in my right arm and the whole thing collapsed and all the arrow went you know in got the into the sun into the sun. You know. but that's set, okay. That's what we're here for. We found set it the control for the heart of the sun. So um, once we had once we had established that that was not the way forward, um, the outcome changed. The outcome changed, and I shot what three pigs. Yeah, yeah, pretty good day yesterday. Crushed it. Yeah, well, yesterday was good. And actually, you redeemed yourself because the f- first pig that you got was 25 yards. And that time I said, 
shoot one comfortable. And I shot one comfortable. <laughs> yep. 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 Perfect. And then uh, last night, Barclow shot one. Mm-hmm. And then we shot the Barclow one. shot another one. Right. And then we shot you shot the second one down at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Then on our way out, we were actually going to get the side by side to come back down to oh, to round up your pigs. And then we ran in we ran into a group of over fifty pigs at least. And you made a perfect shot on that thing. It went like six I mean three. Yeah, that was close encounters of the third kind, as I said yesterday. <laughs> it was like when they're finally here and all you see in close encounters at spaceships here it was pigs <laughs> and there was no synthesizers <laughs> however however you know they were like literally everywhere and we picked one and shot it and it was done in two three seconds yeah it's perfect andy what's your favorite part of uh being behind torsten here as we've been Enjoying is how much time do we have on the sim card? <laughs> um, watching the what would you classify it as an ND or an AD when the boat? <laughs> what would you go with on that? ND, yeah, ND, I was gonna go yeah. AD. Um, I was, I mean, because I was standing AD. there, it, I would say it's an AD, yeah. I had an arrow knocked as well with a little bit of tension on the string, just kind of watching Torsten out of the corner of my eye. And then just to see it grab and launch, I th- found that to be spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> a little double clutch. Yeah. A little yeah. double clutch. But, I, I mean, then he and I talked afterwards. He's like, he didn't tell me to shoot. <laughs> but I was telling him, like, you can't tell him when to shoot. because, And I was using the analogy because there was a bush right there. If it had walked behind the bush and you said shoot, it still would have been a bad time for him to shoot because only he can see through his peep. Yeah. So, yeah, but in yeah. 24 hours from, from that he became episode that I wasn't on... <laughs> To him stalking in yep. on that second one yesterday that, that he got. Yeah, that made was about... absolutely a textbook shot. I mean, yeah. you and I were just like, oh my God, he hit exactly yeah. where he should. Which I think is, you would have crushed that first one. I think the clearing up with the terminology, it's a good point, I think, where you're teaching people. Yeah. you can, It's easy to forget what people don't know. You're like, why'd you do that? Well, you didn't tell me not to. You know, like, <laughs> and by the way, if anybody like, ever hunts with John Dudley, the rule is you do what he tells you. Yeah. Otherwise, it can get unpleasant very quick. <laughs> so so you have to kind of make the same steps that a, you know, a seven-foot-tall guy makes, regardless of how tall you are. You have to step in his steps. You have to hold on. There's 900 things. So I actually learned from Andy Stumpf who says, I just do what he told you, which is not how I live my life. I don't do what anybody tells me. <laughs> so that's just not the way how things work. So, so there, was, there was this thing where I was like, okay, I'm like, do what John Dudley tells me. And he didn't fucking tell me to shoot. Sorry yeah. for the effort. It's a, oh, it's yeah. But that's, if you add shoot when you're comfortable, that's perfect terminology. Yeah. Because yeah. then the person goes, okay, I'm ready. It, uh, I forget teaching people all the time. I forget. Well, the scenario yesterday they played out a lot different after that was kind of, uh, you know, that first, the, the first hog you shot yesterday morning. Yep. You know, where you said, okay, you know, he's X, you know, basically X yards. And I, I forget the terminology you said, but he, he knew and he took, you, Torsten, you took your time. 
I was so impressed watching you. And he was shooting, were you shooting a knock to it, I believe? Yeah, because the other one, like, I'm not that strong. And I love a silverback to get warmed up. But once I'm a bit out of, like, running out of steam and a bit exhausted, like, to pull that thing back and then to pull even further <laughs> is really fucking hard, whatever people say. So I like the green one because my <laughs> mindset really light. So once I'm all comfortable, I don't have to pull too hard. Pull too hard. And it, this it's like, you know, air trigger. Chuck, it I, goes I would, off. I would say you understanding that until yesterday he had shot a turkey. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Two so years ago. To, Two to, years to, ago. To, that was the wait. Because the thing about pigs and people have never hunted them is they rarely stand still. And so yeah. you're going through your shot sequence and they're it's constantly moving and you're you're calculating range in your head or you're calculating shot angle. And you did an exceptional job because all that was going on and I'm watching you, I'm I'm just behind you. And there was no rushing. Like, whatever he was doing, he was going, well, what did he say? You you have to sell. Well, what did you say? What when John it? came up and said, No, it was, it, was, it was, the thing is. No, go ahead. Once, give give yes, credit. So, so, give who credit? John Dudley? I just want to hear what he says. <laughs> he, <laughs> no, his mind was going places. My, 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 yeah, I don't and know. No one knows. Goes, we have, okay, you don't say it, I will, because you said yeah. it, but go ahead. No, you say it. You, you looked at him and you said... Oh, I said the I school give, of knock. You that's said, my I give all credit no to the question. school of knock. So, yes, I remember. Now, if that's what you said. So, no question. And, I mean, we're friends now. And it, it sounds, to me, like it sounds a bit weird. But you follow the school of knock. You know how to shoot a bow. I tune my own bows. I build my own bows. I do it with John Dudley videos in the fucking basement. And that sounds dodgy, but it's not as dodgy. <laughs> it's, like, it's not as dodgy, it's, it's just full size. It's a full size on the wall. And then if he says, turn that screw, I'll turn that screw. You know, it's one of those. And it just really works. Even from a guy who lives in New York City, who has never had anything to do with the outdoors. You know, I have a bow because I thought it was, looked cool. <laughs> and then, you know, from there, on, you know, you can't like you lit it, it works. And once you've got the stress out of your system that you shoot something that's alive, which is not how I was brought up. And that's certainly not how we live our life where I live. Um, once you overcome that and you lose and you get over those nerves, which one has to get over those nerves. And it's it's I think that's very, very important. Um, if you're a city boy, you don't really kill things. Um, then you know, life's peachy. How rewarding was it today, though, that everyone at this table plus Preston that we're missing, we all had lunch based on what you shot. Oh, with. super! So, so yes. So, I truly believe that the best way for you to have food is. Some people say harvest. I don't harvest food you, know, you, harvest, you harvest grain but like when you shoot your animal yeah. and you eat it that's a whole different scenario a you know where it comes from you know you're responsible it really teaches you things as far as i'm concerned and um i think that it just yeah it just expands your right you know we all try to expand our lives and our horizons and we all try to learn hopefully new things and do things you know 
But cross the line, is that what they said? You, when, you draw a line, when people draw a line of the sand, you have to step over it. You know, I grew up, you don't kill things. Yeah. Like, and you certainly don't kill animals with a bow to eat them. Like, if you want to eat meat, you go to the butchers and buy it. That's the way it works. You know, so you have to kind of do all of these things that are different to that, to what you were taught. And I think that's super rewarding. And it tastes like, like nothing else, you know. I mean, I've always believed that in an Italian restaurant, wild boar sausages ragu is yeah. like genius. But now I could, if I had brought a Yeti cooler, I, <laughs> I, could, have, I, could, have, I could have brought the whole fucking thing home on an airplane. Hey, what's that? That's a dead pig. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about me. What do you think, Evan? Uh, I mean, I, this is the first time that I've hunted in Oklahoma, so um, it's uh, one, the ranch is amazing. I mean, the history behind the ranch is, is truly incredible. Uh, the terrain is really interesting because I don't spend a lot of time in the south. Like, I've spent most of my time up north. Um, and then the hunting aspect, I've walked a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, 50 miles in three days. I don't know if that's a lot, but... Uh, it seems like it when I haven't shot anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems probably longer because I haven't shot anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not because I've had the opportunity. I just haven't had the opportunity yet. So Yeah, it's kind of a bummer that you at least haven't been able to do a few stalks just mm -hmm. to see what you feel like it does for bow hunters. Because I, I think, we talked about this in the last one, but I think hogs, I think... Like those rams that we did in Texas were just perfect training tools for people who, and I mean, Clay, Clay can, you know, Clay's guided a long time. So you get guys that, there's guys that save up a year to do a hog hunt, you know, and then they come here and they just, when it comes to spot and stock and really that, I think that's the most rewarding way to hunt them. You if you don't have experience i mean it can you know i've seen guys where it seems overwhelming i mean you well torsten last year <laughs> yeah, it was yeah but as overwhelming as it could possibly get you know you forget everything so first you come to these places that i haven't been then you run around all day long miles and miles and miles so you better bring right footwear um, so you run around for miles, then there's the pig, finally. By the time you see the pig, you're probably exhausted because you've been running around all day, apart from if you're really fit, and I'm not. So, <laughs> so now you're exhausted, adrenaline goes through the roof, um, you forget everything that you've ever learned, and you just try to get that arrow in the general direction of that pig, <laughs> and that doesn't really work. But until you've got that out of your system, and looking back now, that's probably important too, that you know Absolutely. what you did wrong. So then I had a year time to live with the humiliation of coming home and not having a shot of fucking pig. And there was definitely no way that was going to happen again. And it's not like I didn't have the opportunity. Like if you don't see a pig, you can't shoot a pig. And that's just bad luck. But if you have one right in front of you, and then you fuck it up. Then you better go back to the school of knock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about pigs I find so interesting is 
and I don't have a great history with them over the course of my hunting career, but um, they they kind of they they can they can get you a little amped, especially if you have a really big boar in front of you, which I don't think we've had an opportunity at, at a real big boar yet. But like the only thing that aside an elk, right, that kind of gets me more amped up than than maybe a wild boar is like maybe the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz, mm. right? Like I wish we could hunt them too. Yeah, <laughs> a flying monkey. Yeah, you know. Terrifying. Well, my point is, it's like you shouldn't discount hunting pigs because they're absolutely an adrenaline charge, right? Especially if you haven't done the spot and stalk thing before, because they don't stand still. They're constantly moving. Like the ranges are like there's a lot that you have to kind of process and put together. You have five seconds to make that shot because they're gonna move. Yeah, and you know you were you there was a classic case. You know we won't get into the details, but literally as 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 you broke that shot, you took your time. As oh, that yeah. shot broke. That, that animal, I mean, Clay and I both saw it. That animal turned, and you, you know, made, you made a great shot on that animal. Like your 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 arrow went right where it needed to be. The animal turned. It worked out great. But there is a component of that that drives a little um, urgency. Yeah. That you have to work through. Or you're not going to make a good shot. You know. Well, one of the things I talked about, um, I think, in week eleven of that school of knock series was people understanding preload and yeah. and you know what i refer to as checking in which is pulling back on your bow and when it stops and you anchor and you start looking through your peep sight kind of feeling or pulling just enough on the wall of that cam to where you know where you're at and you know whether you're hard on that wall or you know if you're if you're checking in and you realize you can't even budget like you've already you've already pulled as hard as you can on that and honestly with animals like this i get asked all the time there's times where shot windows are very very small so people say well i need to you know i think a lot of the reason people want to shoot a wrist strap release is because they want to have control to make a shot happen like right now but if you really work on preload and you and you are able to get to the point where you set that up in your mind and and you know there's been times where I posted a video of a of a deer that I shot that was walking by me fairly quick and I'm not a big proponent of alerting an animal if it's moving a little bit I'm really confident especially at a real close distance making that shot as it's moving and people say, well, how did you make the shot happen within that window? And I'm like hard on the wall and I know that I'm, I've done it enough and I've practiced this and focused on checking in during practice to know within this short period of time, I need to go from 70% to 100% on my meter. Like I'm not worrying so much about super precise aiming. I'm worried about like, getting through that movement and pulling through that sucker, you know, quick. And I think this is hogs for sure. I, I think hogs and maybe next in line would be a, would be a turkey are the two mm -hmm. things that you could practice on where you have to get comfortable committing to the shot and just going after it. Like you have to be 100% all cards are in like, wait a minute, here's my hand. 
I'm going in. Like you just have to th- push all the chips forward and and make it happen. And I I, I don't know if that's no. the case with um, like from your from Evan and Trevor and well Barklow and Andy from your guys's background, but you there's a fine line between punching a trigger and what I call to or what I call full commitment yeah. to your shot. Yep. You know? Yeah. Well, and that hog today was an example of that. Like, I drew back. And you're shooting a silverback. I'm su- I'm, I've only shot a silverback. And I drew back and waited and waited. Like, I waited on that drawback for a little while and then let off the safety when I had what I wanted, which was a strong quartering away shot because I wanted to put it up under the ribs into the vitals. And it took maybe another half second for that thing to go off and that that pig moved. But I was totally committed to that shot. Like, let off that safety and pulled through and it's gonna go. And you can't stop. Yeah. You know, when you're committed to that, you've looked at the animal and you've seen what they're doing and you've assessed, okay, now's the time. Yeah. Now's the time to take the shot. And like with the silverback, that's a that's an example of a device that if it's set right, or if you've put a lot of practice on it, it's probably relatively light. Your chances of drawing down then are a little lower. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, there, most people who listen to this know that I've committed to the silverback for hunting for two years now. Yeah. Well, I, this is actually the start of the third year. Okay. So, you know, I'm all in for a lot of reasons that is probably another podcast. But tonight, interestingly enough, because those pigs are moving around, it's the second or third stock we've had on this group. And there's one that I've kind of selected that it isn't moving as much, but there's still that urgency. And with the silverback, you can't force the shot, right? Yeah. But I did know as I came to full draw and I did check in that I wanted a little bit more on my back wall than normal yeah. because when I took my finger off the safety and went through my shot sequence, I didn't want it to take seconds. five to seven seconds. I wanted it to take three to five. Yeah. Like I just knew on that animal in that scenario, like, you know, we needed to get it done. I still had to shoot the shot correctly, but I knew pulling on the back wall was gonna get me to that 100% quicker. And that, you know, sometimes fractions of a second, like with Trevor's, you know, means everything. So there wasn't that anxiousness, but there was that conscious thought, check in, pull a little harder, come off the wall, and then I don't have to, or come off the trigger, then I don't have to. I think uh, it makes you pay attention to the animal even more. When dude, you're, not, you're, when, so, when, you're so clued in when you shoot a when silverback. You, yeah, you have when, to be very methodical. When you're not using something that you're punching on, when you're not using something you where you're like, oh, you now, when it's something that you have to consciously look, observe, wait, get your window, and then make the correct, ethical, precise shot, that makes you better at the entire process. Yeah, it's the same exact thing that you have to learn to do shooting in the wind. Mm. People struggle with <coughs> mentally accepting shooting a hinge release or a silverback in the wind. And the reality is, I've never found anything that makes me perfectly still in the wind. So what I have learned is the more you embrace 
full commitment to a shot in the wind, like the the less you let your brain go, oh, I'm moving around, slow down. Okay, go now go again. Now slow the way down, then go. Every time I stop and start, I almost restart in a worse position than when I first set up. And when you're more stressed. Yeah, some of the best archers in the world, period, especially outdoors, have shot hinge releases. And people would get wigged out about how do you shoot a hinge release in the wind? Are they like, you know, just twisting through it? And it's no, they're committing through it. They're a hundred percent committing through it. Maybe I'm wrong, but from the little bit that I've shot some long range stuff with you, um, I've got done a little bit of AR stuff with Trevor, but the way I look at it, you know, I'm an archer trying to learn some gun stuff because I, it's a mind break for me. I'm having fun with it. I feel like those same mentalities apply to like trigger travel. You know, if it, it's like there's times where if everything's fine and I'm calm and I'm benched in or I'm fully prone, I can feel every millimeter of a slack in a two-stage trigger and be totally comfortable with that and then get to the final stage and then, you know, let things happen as they may. But if it was a situation where I knew that I didn't have that amount of time, I would remove that slack and be fully committed and ready to have my surprise shot sooner. I mean, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just talking about preload mm-hmm. of the trigger. So it's the same thing. And I think... And you should do that at all. I mean, and when it comes to pistol rifle, you should do that at all times anyway. Like, which you should, is, shouldn't have slack in your trigger. Which we talked about the other day when we were talking about shooting, and I'm like, and you asked, you know, are you pinning it? Are you coming forward? I'm like, no, yeah, you're, you're, you're coming off and coming right back until there's no more slack. And then I reached out and showed you, like, this one doesn't have a lot of slack, so you're going to come back and there's nothing there. So yeah. you just have to understand what that feels like that's preloaded and that preload is that meat on your finger and that's what you that's what your brain is getting used to like all right i'm i'm preloaded on that trigger shoot again yeah and then you can get used to repeating the process over and over and you're preloading really quick and then the follow-through is when the gun goes off you're not full your finger's not flying off the trigger pressing it or pulling it or whatever terminology works with the individual and then after you resettle, like you'll hear it, and it comes forward and clicks. The sear resets, and you're ready to go again. What I really like about having you guys on is I know there's so many people because I see it. I see them comment, and I get the messages that are converting over from being in the gun world to shooting a bow for the first time. And years and years ago, I decided to shoot a recurve for a full year. And I didn't shoot a compound that year. I just shot my recurve, well, during target season. I hunted with a compound. But the reason I made that commitment is because I wanted to be able to have almost a better segue and better way to relate certain things to recurve shooters that became target uh, compound archers. Or likewise, people that were coming to a seminar that only shot a recurve because so much of what I talked about was very compound specific. So having done that for that amount of time and, you know, going to some 
some Olympic coaches and Olympic medalists to, to teach me that, it really helped me start to say certain things or describe certain things that made them instantly connect to it. And so I think a lot of the people out there that are gun hunters or just, you know, maybe they were marks, you know, maybe they're just people that were just traditional rifle shooters or pistol shooters that are trying a bow because they're really curious about it. I feel like them understanding some of these same correlations are absolutely key. It should be pretty easy. If you have the solid foundations for marksmanship, you should be able to transfer them over. How many people really have solid foundations, though? What would you say? Uh, 5%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what's tough. I mean, there's a lot of guys that would love to say they were had really good training, but, you know, they're just going off probably what they learned when their dad gave them their first A-bolt and took them out hunting with their 30-06 or something, you know, so. I think those get, people will come unwound, too. Like, if you have bad mechanics mm-hmm. with a rifle, I think the bow is going to own you for a bit because it's under tension. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're trying to do all the same stuff, but mm-hmm. it's trying to eat your lunch at the same time, whereas <laughs> yeah. the bow is just, or the rifle is just there. You pull the trigger or don't, but it's not actively fighting you. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Barklow, let's talk about broadheads. I'm sorry to throw you Left I think it's a good subject. I, th- I think it's an excellent subject. So I've, I've uh, not uh, on social, but but with amongst my group of friends, like I try three, three to four different broadheads every year, just because I want to see what's out there. And you know, and you've said this before, and of course I'm somewhat stubborn i think everybody should be stubborn honestly right? well because you know i mean you're my friend but i don't necessarily <laughs> just want to well i mean I, I i believe me i trust you when it comes to setting up the bow and everything but i'm like well you know i gotta try this i gotta try that because i like to come to my own conclusions and even if they're inevitably your conclusions i like to get there on my own but yeah nonetheless i like friends that i can trust that call me and say hey dude you you really need to try this. I mean, you'd be one of those guys, so I like the fact yeah. that you do it. I got to tell you, man, so, you know, and, and I'll paraphrase here, but you said something along the lines of the other day, like, you know, I just wish people would trust what I say. I've got so many, essentially, miles or shots or kills under my belt. Like, I'm not using anything. You're not. You're not going to use anything just to make a dollar like you're using stuff you truly believe in that truly works and that you're trusting you know telling your friends to trust etc and so anyways we'll circle back to the broadhead but that tripan dude is absolutely or the no collar yeah you know i i mean they're not the same but they're similar how many elk did we see killed last year with the tripan six six mature bulls didn't 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 go didn't go you know collectively i bet they went maybe 500 yards i think i saw way more than that well you might have andy's mine so three of us joe's times two yep joe's joe's mine mine. you're in utah so there's another one yeah my two this week yeah no but my point is that and i you know i mean i i I don't like to admit it because it. Is, <laughs> well, because there's there's a negative. There's Damn a, it! 
you know, when you when you're an OG from way back, like there's a negative <laughs> connotation to expandable broadheads. There is. Yeah. But that tripan and that no collar. I, I don't want to say they're flawless, but they are probably the most accurate, hard-hitting, killing broadhead consistently I've ever used. Yeah. And I came here with some. Uh, and they're not. They're not trash, and I won't mention any names. Yeah, don't mention. But they're names. good. They're good broadheads. But I was like, well, I, I kind of want to use them up so I can get the you know my tripans sur or surplus or the no collar. <clears throat> not as good. They're just. <laughs> Yeah, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to tell people necessarily why I don't shoot side stabilizers or why. I mean, there's certain things people make where it's like, yeah, they're they're good. Like I don't have a problem with it. But for me, when I go into the field, I just want simplicity that is notoriously repeatable. Indepe I mean, independable, but, you know, I kind of say that reluctantly because I don't want it to, you know, I don't want it to sound like a, like a sales tactic, but ideally, I mean, dude, we talked about this tonight when you were talking to me about, you know, your everyday carry your Glock that you have and the light that's on it. You're like, a lot of people go with this and that. You're like, dude, here's like over all your years of what you did in your craft, these are the basic fundamentals that I can count on day in and day out. They function when I need to grab it. You know, the other stuff, could it be better? Yeah, but in my experience, you might not need it. You know, you might not need more light. You might not need, you know, so I think unless you have someone that's really had experience with that stuff, and it's also hard for me because I don't want to, I don't, I really don't like talking negative about pro other like products in the industry. Yeah, I so really, you, you never talk negative about another product. You just talk positive about what you're trying to promote. And I, you know, I don't, I don't get like nobody gives me free broadheads. Like I buy everything, you know, full pop and everything. And I mean, John, I just, you know, it's just gotten down to that point. But what's interesting is, you know, be it archery or, you know, marksmanship or concealed carry or survival on my cat. You know, I just did a thing with Schneider, Aaron Snyder, and we talked about, you know, what's your, like, what's your go-to survival kit? And I'm like, it would bore people. And, and Aaron and I were very, you know, similar. And it's like, because we know what we're doing, yeah. it would bore everybody because it doesn't cost a lot of money and it's a couple basic things with some skill involved. Yep. And it's the same with what Evan's doing or what you're doing or what Andy's doing. It's like, listen, at the end of the day, it's not super sexy. It's dependable. It works every, you know, pretty much every time. Yeah. It's something you can do in the worst case scenario. Well, the and, reality and, and is. that's where you have to just sit there and go, okay, this is a great place to start. And then I'm, I'll factor in my own, you know, kind of, uh, you know, one skill set or whatever it is. One of the time. things that I think is important, and especially, you know, looking at someone like Torsten, Torsten really likes to shoot his bow, but, you know, he literally works across the street from Broadway. Yep. I mean... We don't shoot bows in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, we don't carry bows through the streets. Through the streets, either can't do that. Exactly, but I think when 
<laughs> yeah. Dude, you know what? I don't want people in New York City to carry bows. I'm like, whatever people think. Whatever, whatever. No, 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 no. Whatever people think about gun laws and all of this, you know, this is not political. This is. I really, really, really don't want people in New York City. There's so many fucking crazy people. You really, really, really don't want to arm them. That's what I think. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, that's good. But I think the. The important part of that is the more simple you keep things, the easier it is for you to actually remember how to use it when you're not using it every single yeah. solitary day. No, that's a solid point. I mean, you know, it's like there's a lot of different ways to make fire, but, you know, and I've seen people take all these classes. I always carry some matches in a freaking 35 millimeter case and a lighter mm-hmm. i mean honestly if those two things fail i'm you probably have, not going to remember how to do all the other problem yeah and then well, honestly you know, that's me the, in and, regards to broadheads i mean the the interesting thing and like a lot of us around this table are are you know we, we we're blessed enough to have opportunities to sit there and go, oh, I'm going to try three or four different broadheads this year and see what happens. Yep. Right? But if that's your one elk hunt and that's your 10 days <laughs> vacation, like you don't have an opportunity to sit there and experiment and screw before around. you get the potential one opportunity in your <clears throat> year or three or five you know, opportunity, right? So, so there's a there's a question then. How do you experiment with a new broadhead that you've never shot? So, that's, I, 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 so I love that, right? right. Pigs, turkeys, like yeah. uh, some of these less expensive off-season mm-hmm. like almost year-round opportunities that's where you have the opportunity to come down and go i mean not that i mean everything we take right is ethical shots and well, all this but it's like that's what's hard i want to i want to see tough to what, talk about it, it, it is but, but the reality like, is you have to understand and so certain broadest i've used have been effective but not as effective as other things right mm-hmm. and so you want to sit there and sort through, but if you don't have that opportunity, what are you going to do? Trusted resource. Is John Dudley a trusted resource? Is Evan Hafer a trusted resource for certain things? Absolutely, right? But and there's a lot of people Absolutely. that aren't. Torsten, not so sure about you. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, like that's, that is a great place to start and go, I mean, I have the opportunity to play around and go, I know the baseline, but I'm right. going to push it up or down and just to see. Right. And, and then, you know, he comes in and he looks at me as a friend. He goes, yeah, you're like, you're such a knucklehead. Like, why don't you just fucking trust me? And I'm like, I trust you, but I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just curious. Yeah, you just and, you know, I mean, last year on Lanai. in walked around in two different colored pants. L- last year in Lanai yeah. in Hawaii, like, I tried three different broadheads. You know, I can get them to group. I can tune it all. And I'm like, I would never, ever shoot that X broadhead again. Ever. Yeah, yeah. And then tonight you came in and you showed me one and you're like, yeah, you know, obviously I left the arrow on the road, and you're like, yeah, I'd never use this. Okay, why? And you showed me by hitting the palm of your hand. I'm like, oh fuck! Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, no brainer. Yeah, that little no stuff. brainer. I mean, no imagine, brainer. Imagine the shot that I took this afternoon. If that had gone exactly as I was pulling through, 
Yeah. That's a scenario where that yeah. shot could have been screwed up by that broadhead. Yep, a hundred percent. And whilst I don't take any offense that you say I'm not a trusted resource. <laughs> no, 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 no. I talking about honey. Let if me it's just records, my friend, or other things we will not mention. <laughs> you, ever, you are absolutely the trusted if you resource. Ever have a question about what broadhead? Broadhead to shoot. You just call me. I call John Dudley. Dudley tells me what you should choose. I let you know, and you get some damn if, fucking if, good advice. Let's just say, if I ever, if I ever need to professionally repair eight millimeter film, you're the first guy. I'm I'm gonna dude, call. dude, I am so there. <laughs> but you know, or Polaroids. Polaroids. Blackout players. You're the perfect person that would fall victim to like. Really crafty marketing. marketing. No, I'm not. I mean, let's just. I'm say not. That's I don't 100%. know. I think you that's would shoot no. a I, That's one hundred percent. I think that's one hundred percent. I would buy everything that anybody tells me to buy if it looks cool. <laughs> See, so, so that's where it starts. And then, and then, and then, what I would do, I would take it with me today. And then, once you've schlepped it. For 40 miles over three days, you really know what you need. Like if you said side stabilizers, yeah. If I had a side stabilizer, so more weight on my bow, schlepping this forever through this. You'd love that. I'd fucking throw it in the next bush. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just it's like when Lawrence of Arabia walks through the desert, and you just get rid of everything but the water. You know. Um, I don't need this. You don't need need that. You don't need anything. You keep it simple. You have your sight. You have your bow. You have your stabilizer. You've got your arrows. What am I missing? A release. A release. That's handy to have. Bino um, harness. Yeah, but then he t- yeah. <laughs> if you're with John Dudley, he'll tell you where it is, and you don't need to, you don't need to fucking do anything. So the only really things that you need to schlep is that you need is what you're actually carrying. So um, yes, I'd probably buy it all once, and then I'd throw it away, and then. But if it looks cool, I might just keep it and put it on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> Clay, you've had to have seen everything. The worst broadheads, like ever. It's, it's one of my favorite things to ask with my bow hunters: is what's your bow? What head are you shooting? What release are you shooting? And I've had everything under the sun. And over the years, there's certain combinations where you're like, uh oh. I don't know about combinations. <laughs> there's, there's certain heads that I'm just like. <clears throat> Again, I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. It's just over the years, that head has not performed well at all. Mm-hmm. And I am no bow expert or broadhead expert or anything like that. It's just pure, pure experience. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I just, it's just. Honestly, it's physics. A lot of it is just pure physics. I mean, you have momentum going forward with something that takes X amount of force to work properly and then depending on how much momentum's left it's going to start going in the object well right. some of these animals and some like of these things just chew it up as shit yeah like we're cutting through them and breaking them down the other day and you asked like oh when was the last time you sharpened that knife and that wasn't a sink that <laughs> knife being dull you you started cutting into it and you're like Damn, these things have really thick skin. Yeah, they like, do right now. It's just oh, not not I, right now. Like just hogs period. are just yeah. thick. Yeah, I mean the best knife sharpener in America. You throw a three hundred port, three hundred pound boar pig on 
on the hook. You're cutting leather. You're going to have a dull knife at the end of it. Yeah. Right? They're just tough animals. Yeah. I mean, their hide will turn at a 90 if it's a big enough pig. It's and not it like it's not like a deer. I feel like you could, um, I feel like if you shoot a mature boar directly through the plates, your penetration is about as close as you could compare to like shooting a full-size bull elk. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I haven't said anything to, to John, to Marco <laughs> tonight. And I, it's not anything to his bow poundage or anything like that. It's just pure experience is that we honestly thought he missed because the arrow was laying in the field. And in my experience, 8 out of 10, that arrow is not going through. Yeah. And I think that was just initial me just experience is that – and he said, and we said the same thing. I think it's a clean miss. We get up there and it's coated in blood. Back to the tripan thing that – that's a brutal head, and it does. It really does. Is. It does the job. That was yeah. passed through at fifty yards. And if it's ripping through a pig at fifty, man, I'd put it up against anything. Not that I've had that experience outside of you know southern Oklahoma. Yeah, but you said the majority of your hunters you've had don't get past them. No, e- e- even in my own personal and that thing experience, was ten yards on the other side of the animal. Yeah, and I like to claim that. I mean, I shoot a bow. I bow hunt. I mean, that's what I predominantly do, and I very rarely. Get past theirs. What are you shooting for your arrow build? Uh, axis. Yep. 50 grains of brass, 100 grain head, 460 finished weight, uh, a wrap for stealth. It's awesome. It's like a, not that we want to mention FOC, but it's a 12. Is that where it's at? Yeah. It's I awesome. Like, I, I mean, like ripping through a pig at 50. Yeah. I mean, you saw how much mine got I think buried. It's a great, like, oh, yeah. I, I had, what, like seven inches sticking, sticking oh, out? That, well, like, but it went that, but that's when it ended. It went all the way to the fletch. Yeah, it it, it All the way to your veins, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All the way. Yeah. Yep. That, that thing, and that and you talk about shooting a solid block of something, it was... <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, it, it was legit. That, that, was that was might have well been a Cape Buffalo in Africa... At forty yards, yeah. and you ripped it all the way to the flesh. And I think you were you were shooting Axis as well, right? Not he's not shooting FMJ. Three forty Axis. How many bows did I build last yeah. week? I do not remember. <laughs> no, they were they were Axis. Axis. Yeah, they were Axis. Yeah. Um, yep, it's the same thing. Five mil Axis. And you're shooting. I don't forget what your weight is right now. I think you're shooting seventy now, seventy, 70 or so. Just over, yeah. So that that RX one that I was shooting today. Sixty-four. Well, you pass through Torsten. Like, yeah, but I'm yeah. shooting like this bitching orange arrow that Easton stopped making, which you should continue to make in like this limited edition autumn orange. That's why I chose those. Um, I don't know. They're orange. They look really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you put some. You put some green. It makes you want to carry it. You, that matters. It makes me. You know. You put green um, thingy bobs. Your green fletching. Flow orange. Fletchings? Floor, yeah, green floor orange looks amazing. And they fucking <laughs> kill pigs. <laughs> they did. They're not as good as, like Andy Stumpf and I were discussing the um, the John Rambo exploding arrowhead yeah, that correct. we should all be carrying. Um, but and the tent pole and was it, servicing as the arrow. Yeah, that's what we should really shoot it. But, you know, they don't give it to, they don't give it to you us. You know what's so crazy is when I was a kid, like literally beginning bow hunting, I think they had double Easton had double X seventy five autumn orange shafts, and they're still a classic, right? Yeah. And and I bought them. I bought probably two dozen. I still have the bow, 
it's in my barn, right? I have a couple arrows left. I think I cherish them. And then Easton came out. And what I'm year like, was that? When did you start? Fuck, dude. <laughs> 51? Uh, uh, <laughs> let's call it, let's say 82. Okay. I, I, don't quote me, but let's yeah. just say 82, right? And I cherished them because there was so much sentimentality with that. And then Easton came out with that limited edition. That's the one I thought. Six mil. Well, I'll shoot six mil, but I, I had such a love for that arrow and everything it meant to me. I bought a dozen just to have them. I bought literally every one that I, could, really? that I could find on the internet. The I was, if they made I was, five mil, that's all I I was scouring the internet. I went on Amazon. I bought, bought them cut, non-cut, pre-cut. I bought literally every one of those fucking arrows because that's how... Problem, buddy. No, I don't so have a problem. I have lots of arrows. If I, I have them. If I have them, I don't have a problem. If I wanted them and I didn't have them, then I had a fucking problem. But like, until I, as long as I have them, I'm good. How many do you have left? A lot. <laughs> yeah. Love what you use. That, yeah. So much for the signs there. You, yeah, you never said, you never cease to amaze. <laughs> and you've been doing this for what, two and a half years, you said? Or shooting? Three? Hunting. Oh, hunting? Two years. The first one was the the um, the turkey belt competition, April two years ago. Then I was here last year, and this is what the third hunt in two years. Yeah. What do you want to do next? I don't know. Whatever we decide, we're gonna do. Um, pigs, I like. I like turkey. I would like to shoot an elk one day, but I don't think I'm like like. That sounds like really hardcore. I don't know what I could do there. <laughs> no, and I don't want to be a burden to everybody else going. I think you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. There you go. You can do it. That would be. I'm a newbie. I'm, I'm a newbie too. I would. I would not hunt on that hunt just to make sure you got one. Hundred percent. I would totally. That's what something I would do now. I think it'd be an emotional roller coaster for you. Yeah. I think yesterday was That'd a be good. Rad emotional and not to speak for you but no, totally do I think yesterday was a lot of emotion for a lot of different things yeah because right? I didn't really want to come home and tell my friends that yet again I didn't shoot a pig you know what I mean that's <laughs> like sometimes like everybody goes where are you going and I'm like well I'm going hiking and they're like are you going with your friends and I'm like yeah. uh, yes so you're shooting bows yes <laughs> you know I'm from New York City but so the everybody reality, looks at you the reality of seeing it unplay in front of your eyes is is somewhat different sometimes in than than a writer or a movie will portray, right? Like the reality when is when that different. thing squeals and there's Correct. blood everywhere Correct. and you're responsible for it, then that's certainly something when you see it for the first time it leaves an impression. Correct. Now I have known you for all of forty eight hours. Two and, yeah, <laughs> I would say two and a half days. Um you made an amazing meal tonight, which always Thank wins you. my heart. And you like to drink alcohol, so that also wins my heart. But <laughs> you brought um, best friend. But in that two days, like I've seen you go through a journey and evolve to where you wanted to shoot a hog, and you did. And then within the span of the next seven to eight hours, he shot two additional hogs. Because I don't know if you even had the mind space to think beyond the first one. No, it was totally... F by the way... And then we when you got to the second and third, 
and the growth I saw, but the roller coaster of emotions I saw you go through, like I, I was, I was, I was so, like I thought it was so cool to sit there and watch that. I didn't have to shoot anything. Yeah, thank you. Honestly, what you're describing right now is what I've, what I feel for every person at this table. You know, when when people ask, I don't know, when when people ask why I'm doing a hunt with so-and-so or why I'm doing a hunt with so-and-so. I mean, for me, there's nothing more rewarding than what you saw with Torsten. You know, I want to see with Evan. I mean, it doesn't matter how many miles I have to walk. I want to see that with Evan. I got to see it with, with Trevor. I was actually bummed out in BC because yeah. just I wasn't able to there, be with yeah. Trevor. Yeah, but, um, but you and, and Barklow sure made up for it when you saw me starting to skin that bear and you said put the knife down <laughs> and Dudley comes over and picks me up like a damn child and swung me around dude it's it's a bloody, bloody it's hands a, and all it's what? a big deal man it's a big stoked. deal like it was oh, great yeah, it's a big deal i mean yeah. i saw the same Bart thing was over there freaking out saw the same thing with andy god i can't even remember what was the first <coughs> thing we shot Blackbird. yeah I mean, you were pretty ice then, if I'm honest. Is that about 13 months ago? No, more ago. than that. Man. 18, the, dude, the, three, the ones that were outside the field. Yeah, Andy was... They weren't you were pretty ice, actually. I think when, when I really... I think the time when it really came through was the 9-11 bull. That elk. Yeah. You guys came back to camp so... It didn't matter what time. You were so far. Like, it could not have... I don't even know what time we got back to camp. It was midnight because I'm just sitting there, you know, like just hanging out. And I'm like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. Was I sleeping? No, No, you you drank every bottle. (laughs) Every bottle in camp you had found. That's a given. But but that's (laughs) when I say sitting there, I mean he was drinking every bottle in camp. He was sitting there. He was sitting there drinking. No, but you guys, and then you 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 we cooked some of that. You cooked the tenderloin. Yep. Right. Yep. You're like, I already ate. I'm like, doesn't matter. But, like, matter. you can't yeah. ever experience that again. Like, doesn't matter. We're eating at 1 a.m. The right, the right time, the right day. Like, that played itself up very well. You know, and then the next day was pretty interesting, too. But it was, like, super. Like, but, yeah, that's. That stuff's, I don't know. I think if people don't, if people are good at a certain deal. craft and, you know, I don't know if it's. There's a lot of people I know that are just selfish to where they don't want to share it. You're really missing out. I mean, you're really, really missing out. If you have something that that you're good at or if you have something that you have really good knowledge at and you're not mentoring at some capacity with that knowledge and seeing how it changes someone else's life that needs it in some certain way, then it's super unfortunate. Well, and I think it's rewarding. The, I think everybody at the table has had the opportunity to teach other people. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. sitting here has sat there and mentored or taught more than once. That's kind of oh, interesting, yeah. Trevor. You bring that up because I think you're probably. I think yeah. everybody can. Like I saw heads nodding, and I think everybody can sit here and say that that has played out in front of their eyes and that's a life-changing thing to watch yeah. somebody's that stuff super watch the light bulb come on and to see that change somebody's life and their outlook it's 
it's pretty dang rewarding. I mean, being from a guide, like I've pulled the trigger on an animal ten times in probably the last ten years, but I've seen lots of animals and experiences go down with my clients, and those experiences, I get more amped about killing whatever or harvesting whatever than probably some of my clients just because I, I understand the the effort and everything yeah. that goes into it and I sometimes I don't know if those guys quite appreciate it at that moment but man I can't tell you how many times the guys have called me afterwards or rebooked or whatever you know I mean I don't know if that's just kind of beating a dead horse what Trevor just said but just from a guide perspective yeah I mean oh it's a big deal to like yeah it's a big deal for sure information and to to see somebody go through it and then at the end of the process to hear back or to to watch them have that realization in their head. Oh yeah, for sure. It's rewarding because you know there's a possibility of them passing that on. So many people right now seek like a good feeling by some a lot of people seek it a lot of people seek it by how many likes they're getting on a social media account or something. But I can tell you right now, if you find someone that's really good in a craft and you 100% commit to them to like absorb that, it's, it is seriously something that you have to do in life. You have to do it. I mean, with you two, Trevor and Andy, on the skydiving side, I mean, you know, we... We went in the wind tunnel for an hour um, before this hunt started. Yep. And that was fun. I just, to me, I think having a really good friendship with someone means you need to draw as much from them as you're also giving to them and take what they are experts in and not just listen to it. You know, it's, I kind of look back and think of uh, White Man Can't Jump when he says, you know, you're listening to the music, but you're not hearing it. If you have someone teach you something, but you're not really learning it, that's, you know, that's, that's a, it's a pity. But if you have someone that's, if you have someone that's a good friend and you know that they're really good at something, I think to be a good friend, you need to say, Hey man, you know, show me kind of this thing that you're really good at and let me, you know, let me enjoy it. And I think, I think it just creates like friendships and bonds that are, you know, that are timeless in all fairness. I think it's that way. I mean, some of the, honestly, Barclow, the stuff that I've learned from you for, I've learned more from you in, I don't, I don't know if it'd be six or nine months from a, from a, a clothing perspective I've honestly, and I know I've caught some slack because I I talk about maybe Sika too much. But the reason I talk about it is because for the first time, I feel like I've learned something proper. I've learned how to do something properly. And I love the product, but what I like more about it is that it's actually a system. And if you learn how to use it properly the combinations are endless, endless yeah. they're endless like yeah. with with the amount of product that you guys have you can get the same result with i mean it's it's like this math equation to where once you understand mm-hmm. how to layer 
and how to, you know, and what it actually does for you. I get up in the morning, I walk outside, I have coffee, Evan, thanks. And I normally check, I get, I go outside, I feel what the weather's like. I look at the Weather Channel app because I have to know what the wind's doing. Otherwise, I'm not going to know what to do for my hunt in the morning. And then I realize, okay, I'm going to have high winds. There's some little bit of rain coming in, but in the morning I've got high winds till this time. I'm going to be doing spot and stalk, so I know I'm going to have to, you know, I know I'm going to have to layer this way. And it doesn't matter if I have the big game side of things that's in the subalpine or whether I have a whitetail line, which had like the whitetail line is more complex by yeah. far than your than your side of things. But you can get the same result with so many different variables, it's crazy. So yes. But <laughs> But the thing that, that stands out to me more than that specifically is to going back to your original point, which if you look around this table, like there's a there's a couple people, well, most of us, you're like, that dude is a badass in whatever he does, right? That guy is an expert in what he does. And the humility of this group, and I know it's slightly larger than what is around this table, the humility that comes to this table and goes, you know what, I actually don't know that much about this, but I really want to learn. Would you teach me? Do that. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I haven't, I haven't experienced a lot of that in my life, and it's pretty goddamn awesome. It is. That I can sit there and go, yeah, dude, I've been bow hunting 30 years, and I pretty much suck. So whatever you say, you know, I'm going to do because I can put my I can put my ego aside. And I think we all do that in different ways. And that is what I think this spinning vortex. And I don't, I don't know if you're the center of that or not, but, no. but this vortex, it's spinning like we can sit there and go, yeah, bro, I don't know about avalanches. Can you teach me? And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know about fucking shooting a pistol. Can you teach me? And, and, and people that are type A that you'd look at, I, I would think people outside of this room would look at and go, that's an arrogant fuck. Like, there's no way he would ever, you know, admit he doesn't know something. And you're like, yeah, dude. Like, Evan, teach me how to shoot a pistol, dude. Like, you're the best guy I know to shoot a pistol. Teach me. And to, like, give yourself up to that, that's, that's where the growth comes from. That's where I think the actual vortex really spins and well, I think and the, the power really builds and you're oh, forming yeah. the habit of doing that well where, you, you know where every time you're going out and it, like say you're going on a hunt right and it, it's for an animal, animal that you haven't hunted for but maybe you've been a hunter for a long time sure well say you've now formed the habit of I need to ask what the right thing to do is Yep. So, so you talk to the guide, like like on the last podcast, right? You trust the guide, and you find out what's going on, and you follow along. You know, and it people need to realize that you need to think about that every time you're getting into a new scenario. Like you, you're forming a habit, and it's a big deal. And you need to make sure that the habit is being open to information, and whether or not, like we talked about, Dad, when you were in Maryland, like. All right, maybe I don't. I wouldn't do it this way, 
but I haven't hunted here. Yep. So, well, let's see what happens. All right, I, w- I was right, but it doesn't matter that you were right. Yes and no. Yes, because your experience was correct, but no, because you were open to the idea. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I might not have been able to enjoy the experience if I would have put that guy behind myself. I mean, yeah, if you, you know, if you I wasn't just... successful, but I can honestly say I did exactly what those guys did. And so for, from my aspect, from my aspect, if I've followed a professional's advice and I wasn't successful, I feel like I'm still super successful because I don't feel, I feel like I can't go away from that saying, well, crap, this guy kept telling me I should go here, but I was being an idiot. I wasn't wanting to sit there because I didn't feel like it was right. If I would have second guessed myself a lot more, whereas now I don't second, you know, I think if you do it that way, you don't second guess. There's no, uh, aw shucks moment. Like, oh, well, he really was right. Yeah. Or he could have been. You've said this a bunch, Andy. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's been quiet for a I gotta, while. i got to get you involved. Okay. you just been drinking tequila through a straw, so. Okay. Um, I've said a lot of things a bunch, not all of it's No, but, but most of <laughs> uh, on Rogan's podcast, we said, you know, the thing oh, that well, I, the military taught me uh, was yeah. how to learn, yeah. mm-hmm. right? That, that's the truth. But, but I'm telling you, like, people have the wrong impression of these stereotypes like oh my god you're this x or y like you did this or that but it's like but yeah i have the humility to go you're better than me shooting a pistol i want to be awesome at shooting a pistol evan teach me that andy teach me how to jump like i will put everything aside because i want to be better and i i am uh, humble enough to sit there and go you're better than me and, and, and I don't think people, tr- like, when I say people, like, the, the people outside of our circle truly appreciate yeah. what it takes to get to those levels and, and the humble pie you have to eat to do that. That's a real thing. I mean... It's a fucking real thing, dude. Like, all of us have sat there and gone, how do I do this? Like, for me, it was, I wanted to bow hunt, and I told Andy, and he's like, no, learn from this guy. And just do what he says. And you saw the result after Kansas with Turkey. And I've seen that with friends of mine. We talked about it with my buddy that's mushing dogs. He's like, I want to get out of the military. I want to mush dogs. All right, where's the best place to do that? I want to go find the best people to do that. He literally moved next door to the people that do that for a living and win. Yeah, because why would you do anything else? Exactly. But but that's no, but not that what but that's but that's not the that's not what people expect. No, no, no. They they see guys coming from our and I'm saying like Evan, myself, and Andy's side of the house. Like oh well, they're just on top of the hill. You know they they got all the shit going on. It, that's that's not the case. The case is we've seen what real masters at crafts look like. And when we want to learn a trade or a craft or a skill, we want to go to that person because they're going to be able to shortcut all the bullshit. And, and you guys are really good at applying it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're good uh, at learning. That, that's 
that's what it comes down to. You, and to do that, you have to put yourself aside. Over it, and over. It helps, though, when you have the ability. One of the things, the advantage that I can at least say on the military side of the house with, and I didn't spend a day in the Army, so you have to tell me if this is accurate for you guys, Evan, but we would just pursue the best in the world. If we want to get better at shooting, we'd be like, here's the best shooter in the world, go get them. And we could spend the money, and you just sit there, and you go to the around those people enough, you're like, okay, I don't know anything. I'm just going to do exactly what you tell me to do. Now, I'm really new. And it, well, it sets that pattern, like you're saying, yeah. of being and, able to and, get and out of your own habituation. way. situation. Yeah, I think that the, you know people would come in, whether they were the best in the, the, the unit or, <clears throat> or the best in the world or whomever it was. But really, I think there's something else if we rewind a little bit, which is I, I actually think we're in the minority even of the people that we know from our community <clears throat> because I've had the unique... Because we can read? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had the unique experience of training lines. a lot of guys. <laughs> we know the same people. No, I know. <laughs> I've had the experience of training a lot of guys from our community, from every one of the services. Yeah. And you had to bring them in and day one you would you, you'd force the humble pie down their neck. You'd mm-hmm. say... And you have to destroy them. Like, literally... That was one of the things that we had to do, which was we'd take them out on the range and, okay, here's the pro timer. Here's me doing it. Now why don't you go in front of the class? (laughs) Let's see how good you are at this. Okay, you suck. (laughs) So now shut up and listen. And that's exactly what you'd have. You'd have to start almost every course like that. And Because the vast majority of the guys, if you don't do that, they're just like, right. it's It's a good thing, bad thing. Yeah, so but I think that if you're into if you're if you're that type of person and you're into learning or evolution, because really that's I mean from my perspective that's what it is, just trying to evolve, and you're going to seek out a master. You're going to seek out somebody that understands it. Obviously, there are a ton of people within this this room that are masters at some sort of craft, and you have to say. All right, well, now I, now you can go back on your military experience and say, they taught me how to learn, crawl, walk, run. And they did, you know, ad nauseum steps and reiterate information and stomp their feet. And, oh, and then you take all these great experiences and say, this is how I learn. Because the great thing the military does is they put you in a perpetual learning state. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're learning the entire time. So I will always be grateful for that. And that's one of the things, too. Now in my life that I've had to seek to continue to, to learn because when you leave that environment, they're always throwing you anything and everything. You guys, schools, like think about that, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I want to go to this school, I want to go to this school, and you have oh, like a Christmas thing. list or whatever. And, uh, you know, now I have to, I, I look forward to those opportunities to do that. So this is just one of those great opportunities. Yeah, it's been awesome. Torsten, you got anything else cool to say? No, I think I've said most things that I needed to say tonight. Oh, I want to say that Barclow makes real cool clothes, and they work. We saw some, um, we saw some like amazing shit. And whilst you guys all talk about <laughs> systems, I just like the way it looks and it works. That's good. Obviously, Evan makes amazing coffees, and I learned that don't listen to anybody. Use paper filters and do brew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was like that was like a key thing for me to learn. Grind it in um, the morning. You grind it in the morning, which I knew, but then I still use the silver filter, and he says, "Yeah, that sucks. Use paper." Um, <laughs> all good. 
Awesome. Clay, we would utilize you if we were here for like a city slickers thing where you taught us how to cowboy. I'm pretty mm-hmm. city slicker. Yeah, I bet you eat us. A little bit of cowboy? Yeah. Yeah, these guys here on this ranch are legitimate cowboys, day in and day out. 151 years strong. Yeah, it's an awesome place, awesome story. Anyone got anything? All right, boys, we got to get up in, I don't know, five and a half hours. So, see you, everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com